Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So, something personal about me. Uh, all of my friends tell me that I'm a hater. Right? Like, like I, just, I just choose to hate things. This is what I'm told. Right? Like, movies, music, certain athletes. I, I just, I like to be the unpopular guy with the unpopular opinion. And I hate things that everyone else loves. Apparently, this is what I'm told, right? So, the reason I tell you this is I have a huge opportunity to be a hater to start today's show. I have a huge opportunity. It's sitting right there in front of me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I could. It would be so easy. I'm still tempted to, but we've we've made it this far. We're, we're a minute or two into the show. I, I can't turn back now. I'm not going to be a hater. I'll explain here in a minute. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to talk Brewers. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to be joined by UWL Guy and a host on 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. That's Bart Winkler. He's going to join us coming up at 5.30 to talk a little bit of everything. It's going to be a a well-rounded show. We're going to hit a little bit of Packers, a little bit of Brewers, a little bit of Bucks, a little bit of everything. But I I wanted to start with this. I often start the show... Uh, talking about the latest game, right, the, the latest news, even if it's not Wisconsin-related, right? This is the Wisco Sports Show, but some things and some events and some players, some performances are just they're just too big. you got to talk about them, right? So last night I was watching the Bucks and I was watching Monday Night Football. Last night the Chiefs and the Chargers were playing in Mexico City. That's an interesting matchup, although it's the AFC. doesn't directly affect the Packers, at least right now. I'm going to tune in to watch the reigning MVP Patrick Mahomes, and let's see what the Chargers do. They're always an interesting team, and it's in Mexico, right? That's something I don't want to miss out on. So I was watching Bucks. I was watching Monday Night Football. Last night, before I get into the Chargers, Chiefs, first of all, and I know the Chiefs won 24-17. They, look, I don't love what I've seen from the Chiefs the last week, right? Last week, they obviously lost uh, on a last-second field goal or a last-second field goal attempt that was blocked. And then yesterday, yeah, I know they won, but, man, the Chiefs are supposed to be the team... Uh, other than Baltimore, that's capable of beating New England this year? And and think of it, right? The Chiefs are 100% in on their offense, right? Their offense wins them games. They rely on Patrick Mahomes. Think of the Packers in 2011, right? They have a bad offensive game. They're toast. They're done. But their offense was so good, and supposedly this Chiefs offense is so good that it won't matter. Well, I know know Tyreek Hill got hurt last night, and they're playing in the altitude, and it's a weird Monday night game, but, like, man, I don't know about the Chiefs. Seven and four? I, I, I don't know about the Chiefs. So, side note, before we get into the, the real topic. Side note, I, I kind of got an eye on the Chiefs right now. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on there. So, to get back to the hater thing. I have been a Phillip Rivers hater, mm, I don't know, for the last two years maybe. Maybe two or three years. I can't remember quite exactly when I started. Uh, when I became a Phillip Rivers hater. Quote, unquote, hater. Right? I don't personally hate Phillip Rivers. I don't hate him as a player. I think he's wildly overrated, right? Everybody says first ballot Hall of Famer. That's Phillip Rivers right there, right? One of the best quarterbacks to play in this generation, Phillip Rivers. Nobody talks about him. Nobody, because he's stuck on the Chargers, nobody ever gives him credit. No, I actually think it's the opposite. I think Phillip Rivers benefits from being on the Chargers where no one talks about him because I don't think he's very good. I think he's fine, right? I think he's fine. I don't think he is what everyone plays him up to be. And every once in a while, I'll send out a tweet sarcastically, remember, 
that says something like, ah, don't forget Philip Rivers. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I will typically tweet that out after a boneheaded play or a bad performance from Philip Rivers, right? Basically saying, look, everyone says he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't see it. Think for yourself, right? Watch what you are seeing and tell me that that is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And it would have been really easy last night to have that sentiment. Is Philip Rivers, yeah, threw for 353 yards, but he did fourth throw for four interceptions, including one on what could have been the game-tying drive at the end, right? I could have done it. I thought about it. In fact, I was looking for old tweets to retweet. You know how you sometimes do that? Like, oh, remember when I tweeted this last year? Bring this back because it still applies. And I found one. I tweeted one in 2018, and I tweeted about Phillip Rivers in 2017, right? This has been going on for a couple of years. But I didn't. I did not. And I thought about it last night. I was like, man... Philip Rivers, he he might just be old. I th- I think he might just be old. His arm wasn't there last night. That final interception to Austin Eckler, if he makes a little bit stronger of a throw, puts that ball towards the back of the end zone, that might be a touchdown. Might be. I don't know. But he underthrew it badly. Right? On, on the last two weeks, all eyes have been on him on these final two-minute drives to win or to tie, and he's looked bad. And last night, I was going to... I was going to hate on him. Maybe I was going to make some jabs to start the show, but I'm, I'm not going to. I think he's just old. I think he's just ready to be done. I think Phillip Rivers is ready to be done. He needed help last night. He, he didn't get it. He needed help from his defense. He needed help from his running game. And you know what's unbelievable is Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler last night were both averaging, uh, yeah, about just shy of five yards per carry. Melvin Gordon, 14 runs for 69 yards. Austin Eckler, five for 24. That's just under four yards per carry, right? Just under five yards, excuse me. They're doing great. Running the ball. 14 carries, that's it for Melvin Gordon? Only five for Austin Eckler? He was great last night. In a night where Phillip Rivers was obviously showing some signs of, yeah, coach, dude, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't throw the ball 52 times per game anymore. He needed help. They didn't give it to him. And it was it was a little bit frustrating to watch because I'm not a Phillip Rivers fan, right? Like I think I'm I think I'm a realist on Phillip Rivers. Like, yeah, he's okay. He's good. He's better than some, but first ballot Hall of Famer, calm down. Like, do you ever watch him? He looks, I I once tweeted, and I was looking at this last night, I once tweeted that he looks like a pie-throwing version of Matthew Stafford, right? He's got this funky delivery, and he's an unnatural-looking quarterback, and sometimes he gets it done, don't get me wrong. But last year, I thought was, was incredibly telling when he had probably the most talented roster in the NFL, right? Incredible defense with two really, really good pass rushers and Derwin James, and Casey Hayward, and Desmond King, right? They were great defensively, and they were great offensively, too, with Melvin Gordon, and Austin Eckler, and Justin Jackson. Keenan Allen's obviously a baller. Williams is obviously a baller. And they went into Foxborough, and they just, it's like it was a college team. They look like a college team. Just beaten into the ground. It was never, it was never even close. What a horrible game. I don't know. And look, I'm not blaming last night on Phillip Rivers. I thought they should have ran the ball more. And I'm not going to hate on Philip Rivers today because I think he's just he's just at that point. I, this might be Philip Rivers last year. That was my takeaway after last night. Not Philip Rivers is overrated. Not Philip Rivers sucks. But man, Philip Rivers didn't get the help he could have gotten from his running game, right? And it's a shame having Philip Rivers at this age throw 52 times. That's why I'm not going to hate on him today. I'm not going to take shots at Philip Rivers because I don't think it's deserved. And and after last night's game, I I truly looked at him. I'm like, damn. Feel a little bad for him, right? They're asking him to make all these plays and improvise in the pocket. That's just that's just not who he is. So, not going to hate on Phillip Rivers today. Not going to be a hater, which is a little bit of a break for me. Feels good. 
This is how positivity feels, huh? I like it. Uh, if you want to join in on any of the conversation today, you can. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. TC says, can we talk about how bad Booger McFarland, a.k.a. Captain Obvious, is at announcing? I Look, Booger will say some things where I'll be like, what? But at the same time, as a color commentator, like you're always expected to say something, right? Sometimes there's nothing to be said, right? I call, I call high school games with Drew Kelly, who does a phenomenal job, both here on WKTY and our sister station on WIZM. And sometimes the call's wrapped up, like run Evan and tackled uh, for uh, an upcoming uh, second and three, right? I'm obviously not a play-by-play announcer, but Drew would finish the call saying he's dragged down after a gain of seven, second and three upcoming. And now I'm supposed to say something? It was a, it was a seven-yard run. Uh, well, good job exploding through the offensive line. Like, sometimes there's nothing to be said. So I'm not going to jump on Booger, although sometimes... Like, I, he took some heat in that San Fran game last week for really leaning into San Fran's kicker about the moment being too big for him, right? After he had just hit a huge kick the possession before, I saw some heat. That was probably warranted, right? That was probably warranted. But Booger Booger is fascinating because people get so up in arms every single week. Uh, TC, you also said sometimes QBs throw the ball like Rivers, and sometimes they are worried about their quarterback rating and take the sack. Yeah, look, I'm look. It, it's not one or two specific plays last night that I'm that I'm faulting Phillip Rivers for. I think it was completely unfair that the Chargers asked him to throw 52 times. At this age, at this point in his career, you're going to ask him to throw 52 times? Imagine if the Patriots had to throw 52 times in the altitude, right? Remember, for those of you who didn't see in a million places last night where they were talking about it, Estadio Azteca in Mexico, I think it's in Mexico City, is like way, way higher than Mile, fi- mile High Field in Denver. Like, it's not even close. And I don't remember the numbers, but that field in Mexico is way higher than the highest field in the NFL. So it's, it's a weird circumstance. Once again, I, I'm not going to get on Philip Rivers' case last night. I thought that. Throw 52 times? You're averaging five yards per carry. Run the ball. Man, and like I said, it's, it's not just one bad play I'm, I'm pointing out. It was just a game and, and kind of a trend that we've been seeing for the last year or two with Philip Rivers. I think he's just... He's just nearing the end, which is why I'm not going to be a hater. Don't forget, you can chime in. We're going to talk Brewers coming up, Packers near the end of the show as well. Bart Winkler from 105.7 FM, the fan is going to join us coming up at 5.32. We're going to talk a little bit of everything. I can't wait for that as well. Coming up next, Brewers. They made some big news today. Did you see? Did you see the news? We'll talk Brewers coming up, and no, they didn't sign Garrett Cole, unfortunately. But we'll talk about the Brewers news regardless. The Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Graham Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having an awesome night. We're going to talk to Bart Winkler, uh, morning show host. Chuck and Winkler mornings on 105.7 FM, the fan down in Milwaukee. We're going to talk a little bit of everything. Bucks, Brewers, Packers. Of course, Bart, a UWL guy as well. Used to work here in Lacrosse. Go to school here in Lacrosse. Worked at News Eight for a while, so it's nice, right? Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network, Lacrosse guy. I, I just like having Lacrosse people on the show. What can I say? It's a nice. It's it's good for the brand, right? For the brand, uh, as they say. The Brewers made news uh, in the last couple of days, and it's not for signing a player. Right? I was kind of maybe hoping they would like sign Garrett Cole or sign a stud starting pitcher, but instead, making news uh, in a different way. They announced new jerseys, new uniforms, completely redesigned, right, for the 2020 season. Uh, which, by the way, I think they tweeted out or they posted on Facebook uh, that we're, what, a couple hundred days away from opening day. Who's counting, they said, though, right? I actually had a moment earlier today 
where I was kind of thinking like, man, I, I wish the Brewers were playing, which is weird because that's almost never a feeling that I have. Normally, I'm so wrapped up in Packers season, so wrapped up in Bucks season that I can typically wait for Brewers season at least until like January or February. No, I'm already itching for Brewers baseball, and I think it's because uh, they released these new jerseys. So this is radio. Unfortunately, I cannot I cannot show you these jerseys. Now, we, we shared it on all of our social media channels, at WKTY on Twitter, WKTY on Facebook, and you can check out all the work on our website as well, WKTYsports.com. So they released four new jerseys, and then they had a modeled yesterday by Keston Hira, Brandon Woodruff, Brent Suter, and Ryan Braun. So they had four. They have a home cream, which is like a, well, it's a cream. It's it's pretty white, though. It almost looks like eggshell uh, with with blue wording, blue sleeves, and then yellow trim as well. They have a home pinstripe, which looks almost identical to the pinstripes that they've been wearing for the last couple of years, except it's Nike. Maybe a little bit different lettering, but by and large, for the most part, the same. Then they have their away navy or their away blues, which is pretty cool, and it's hard to describe, but a blue jersey with yellow trim and yellow lettering, and then they have their away grays as well. These are pretty dope, and there are a couple new um, tweaks. They have this baseball logo that they have on the sleeves. They have a Wisconsin, a state of Wisconsin with yellow bricks and an M on some of the sleeves, so the Milwaukee and the Brewers looks pretty similar, and of course they're going with the ball and the glove logo as well. But they added some newer stuff, like like the baseball on the sleeve. It almost looks like the, a, a baseball, but the stitching is wheat, like it would be for beer, obviously, right? So a couple new things as well. They don't look drastically different, but a nice update. I think they look really awesome. If you have opinions, like if you hate them, you love them, let me know. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight on the five star telecom talking text line. I want to get, so Craig Council was asked earlier today, um, this was shared by Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for Brewers.com and MLB.com. Talk to Craig Council on his thoughts about the jersey a little bit. Craig sporting a shirt and tie looking very good at the event over this weekend. It's a timeless logo, and the best test of it is really, for those of us that travel around the country, it's the hat that you, you see the hat worn in. And it's, and it's Milwaukee, and we're a little bit of a small town, but when you see it in New York, when you see it in the big cities, people wearing it, um, you know it's a good logo. It's, it's fashion, right? And um, and that's how you know that uh, they got it right. We just I think what they try to do is just update it a little bit and prepare for the future. How old were you when you realized it was an M and a B when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, I was like everybody else. I think key thing is you have to say like I didn't see it at first there's no way I didn't see it at first and then I said oh at one point we all have this epiphany it's an M and a, it's an M and a B right it's not just a glove so which, I was- which by the way two highlights from that soundbite number one Craig Council saying that's fashion right <laughs> like talking about seeing a logo when you're visiting New York and visiting other big towns around the country and seeing the M and the B logo and his response his uh his follow up to that is that's fashion right if you if you see it in more than one place and then also like Adam McAlvey is duly asking how old were you when you realized that that logo was an M and a B and some of you might hear that and say God who who doesn't notice that what a bunch of idiots I I don't remember when I realized but it was it was like recently like in the last couple of years where I went oh my God that the ball in the glove logo is actually an M and a B as well. I think you all have that that point of realization with the logo. Most of you, I'm sure, it was much younger than it was for me. I think it was. I think I was probably in high school when I realized that it's an M and a B and not just a a ball and a glove. Which, by the way, would be dope by itself. Like it's it's a cool logo and and it's a logo that looks kind of timeless, 
right? It doesn't look like a logo that's stuck in the 80s or the 90s or back in the 70s. It's a color scheme that doesn't look like it's stuck in the 80s or the 90s. Like, this logo could be the Brewers logo for the rest of the team's professional life, however long that may be, right? And I don't think it's ever going to go out of style just because of how simple it is. And a ball and a glove by itself would would be a fine logo. But yeah, we all have that point where we realize, oh yeah, it's it's an M and a B for, for Milwaukee Brewers as well. And it's funny that Craig, that Craig Council pointed that out, as well as noting that, well, that's fashion, right? Like when you see, when you see a logo in multiple places, that must be fashion, right? That's what fashion is. Uh, I also pulled some sound. This made me laugh. Bob Euchre was not in the dugout where Craig Council was just interviewed, but uh, they had a ceremony of sorts with a podium where they had people speak. I think Bud Selig was there as well, although I didn't see or hear that interview. I think he was in town for it. Adonacio and Council, and then the players modeling as well. Uh, Bob Euchre come up and talk about uh, the New Jerseys and and basically just put Bob Euchre in front of a microphone and it's going to be entertaining, right? People are going to appreciate that. Bob Euchre talking about how long he's been uh, with the Brewers organization and and remembering when remembering the first jersey he ever received. I, I can remember my first my first uniform as a player with the Braves. Um, it was just like that. It was in a case. <laughs> That's the way I wore it. <laughs> I, I don't think Bob, no other commentator or broadcaster or former player can can like make humor and make jokes out of having a bad playing career the way that Bob Euchre can. Like, can we recognize that for a sec? Bob Euchre, half of his shtick and half of the comedy that he uses as a broadcaster, as an actor in, in a couple of spots or as a, as a speaker yesterday, right? It's just him roasting himself on how he was not that great of a baseball player. Now, obviously, you don't stick in the league as long as he did and stick around baseball as long as he has without being some sort of, of competent at a sport of in baseball. But, but Bob Euchre is so damn good at that. And that delivery, I don't I don't know off the top of my head how old Bob Euchre is. I hope I have that kind of delivery when I'm that old. Right? Because at that point, you can just use the same jokes. When you're that old, you can tell the same joke every week. And if you deliver it right, people are going to laugh. Just because you can get away with that when you're 85 plus. Right? And you tell the same jokes. They, they got to be funny, but you can stay with the same ones. Right? Bob Euchre talking uh, about his first jersey and how, yeah, I got it in a case. And that's about as much use as it got. Right? I, I used it in the case which is a pretty funny tidbit. So Craig Council, Bob Euchre both talking. I I was checking out social media and just the reaction to these jerseys when they came out, whether that was on Facebook or whether it was on Twitter, reading comments, reading tweets, just trying to get a pulse of what people thought. I I think they're pretty innocuous, right? I don't think they they create a huge reaction one way or another. They're a slight tweak, but it's not like they changed colors, right? It's not like they changed the team name. They're pretty similar. I don't know if you could get too up in arms about it. But one comment that that kind of surprised me a little bit, and I saw this in a lot of places, and one complaint that people had that I saw in, in a lot of different places, Facebook, Twitter, and have heard people talking about and calling in on sports radio as well, is the Brewers are dwelling on the past. Right? They won't move on from their history. Right? Which, to me, is dumb on a couple of levels. Number one, because, like, do the Brewers really have a history? And that's no disrespect to the team in the early 80s. But outside of that team, which didn't win a championship, what do the what do the Brewers have? Do they have much? To say the Brewers are dwelling on the past, w- what part of their past are they dwelling on? They had one great, fun team in the 80s that almost won a championship. And that was it. That's not the kind of instance that, that you model and, and, and hearken back to 
50 years later, right? Or in this case, just about 40 years later. No, they're, they're not stuck on the past. The Brewers, when that ball and glove logo was designed, they're like, damn, it's a good logo. And ever since then, people are like, you know what? Damn, this is a good logo. Let's keep using it because it's good. It's a jersey. I don't think the Brewers are making any statements, you know, saying we're getting back to our roots. You know, we're remembering when this team was the greatest. Although in some promotional videos or advertisements, you might see stuff like that. But if the logo sucked, the Brewers would change. But the logo doesn't suck. The logo is really good. So I don't think this is the Brewers saying dwelling on their history or being stuck in the past. Now, me more than anyone, I I want the Brewers to win a damn World Series. I think they have a good team and they just need to get over the top right now. At least make a World Series. I care a lot more about that than the uniforms. I I don't think the Brewers are hung up in the past. I don't think they're dwelling on the past because, let's be honest, for the most part, the Brewers really don't have a storied past. They have one great team that didn't win a championship. No respect to that team because there are tremendous ballplayers on that team who are still legends in baseball, right? But couple of years, it's not something you model your entire franchise off for decades to come. I don't think the Brewers are doing that. So just enjoy. Enjoy the ball and the glove logo. Enjoy the Brewers' cool new jerseys because I certainly like them. I certainly like them a lot. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Bart Winkler, co-host of Chuck and Winkler, mornings on 105.7 FM The Fan in Milwaukee. We're going to talk to him about a couple of different things. I want to talk Brewers. I want to talk Packers. Maybe we'll get to the Bucks as well. And if we have time, maybe we'll get to uh, get to the Badgers. Although, eh, probably not. Is it bad that I... Re- I'll watch Badger basketball games, but only when it gets around the tournament do I really start getting up in arms about it, right? Badger football games right now, I'll watch this weekend, but really, I'm we're all waiting on the Minnesota game now. So we can wait on the Badgers talk. Let's go Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Bart Winkler coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk Packers. Look, I don't, I'm not a 49ers expert. We're, we're not going to have a 49ers expert on the show, but we are going to talk about the game uh, Packers in the middle of their two weeks off, right? we got to start to look forward to that game. And I thought, let's have an expert on, right? Let's have a professional. That's Bart Winkler from 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. He's joining us now on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Bart, what's new? What's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm not I'm not a 49ers expert, but I don't <laughs> think that the Packers are going to have that difficult of a time this weekend. Well, now, let- am I cursing them? Maybe. I feel pretty good. I think if you pressure Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, we saw that in Seattle. Yep. Where they struggled with that. I think they're a little banged up. I like the Packers coming off the bye in this one. Well, let's let's start with Packers. I, I really don't know what to think. At the top of the NFC Bart, we've been the last week as the Packers have been on bye, uh, I've just kinda had to entertain myself talking about their vision, talking about the NFC. Right? Let, let's include the Saints, the Niners, the Seahawks, the Packers, and, and we'll throw the Vikings in that group as well, that that top level of uh-huh. NFC teams. If you want, I'll throw them in just for the sake of this conversation. I I think they're all very similar. Like, I think they all have a weakness or two, and I think any one of those teams can beat another one of those teams. How do you feel about the Packers compared to the rest of the the NFC, especially because they're playing the Niners this weekend, right? I think that obviously there's a bunch of different aspects that make up a team, but when you look at different ways that you try to beat other teams, one of those is defense, and I think the Packers have the defense. Now, statistically, they give up a lot of yards. We've seen this from the Packers. What we haven't seen 
is them being so good in the red zone. So I know that we still see the horrific third downs where the other team needs 15 yards and they get 15 and a half all the time. I think Kyle Rudolph got his last contract just because of that. Always. In Minnesota. So we've seen that. But the Packers in the red zone this year have been stopping teams. So they, they can do that. The bend but don't break, you might you know be bored with that phrase already, but they, they make turnovers when they have to, and they can do that. So they can beat a team with their defense. They've got a running game, and they've got two running backs that, when used right, can be maybe two of their best receivers on the team. So they've got that. And then the other way is the quarterback. And the Packers can use their quarterback. And it's not a team that is dependent on Rodgers, as in Rodgers first. It's if those other things aren't working, then, oh, you have Aaron Rodgers. The Saints can say that with Drew Brees, although he's looked shaky last couple of weeks. The Vikings, I still don't think, can say that. I know Kirk Cousins made the Vikings 1-99 teams. It's such a stupid stat. <laughs> they were down 20 to the Broncos. They should have lost that game. Whatever. I just I don't think that the Packers need to look too fearful with any of these other teams right now based on how well they're playing and the makeup of the team. The problem that the Packers might face is where are these playoff games going to be played? Yeah, The NFC playoffs are going to be amazing. You're going to see some really amazing games. I'm sure there's going to be a lot that come down to the wire with how weird the NFL is now with their rules. There's going to be you know, some questionable calls, and hopefully the Packers go on the right end of that. I don't want them to play in Seattle because of just horrors <sighs> that I've seen in my life. I think New Orleans would be a tough place to play. So I think for that reason, they've got to win as much as they can, and this game against the Niners on Sunday could very well determine a lot of that. Well, Bart, I agree with you, and when the Packers beat Carolina last week, I was talking to our listeners, and I'm saying, look, this that might have been one of the most important Packers wins in the last couple of years, right? The Niners went on to lose on Monday night, and that was huge for seeding, but to put this into perspective and to talk about home field in the playoffs, Bart, I had to remind myself, I had to look this up, Going back to 2014, so the last five-year window, the Packers haven't had a first-round buy since 2014. Aaron Rodgers barely ever had a buy in his career, but it's been five years. In that five-year span, they've only played one game at home in the playoffs, and that was that Giants game, right? The Hail Mary game. Isn't it pretty crazy that as decorated and as great as Aaron Rodgers have been and as many games as the Packers have won and as many trips to the playoffs as they've had, they've rarely ever played at home and they've rarely ever had a bye. Like, if, if they could actually have a bye or, or play some games in Lambeau, it would just make everything so much easier this year. I think that's a huge deal. I'm not overlooking that. No, we went back. I think if you go back to the Super Bowl year, they've won two playoff games at home since. Yeah. Which is is like the Giants one you count, and then I think they beat the Vikings. Yeah, Joe Webb. Uh, with Joe Webb. Yeah. And that, that's amazing. That's amazing because this is a team that consistently makes the playoffs, but they have made, you know, some one and dones, or yeah. they've been on the road and they've they've snuck in, or they win the division at eight seven and one, and then the Niners take care of them with Kaepernick. So it's been it's been tough, and that's why they need home field advantage. I think that this year, because of how close these teams are, that home field advantage is going to come into play. Some sports it matters a little bit. Obviously, it didn't in the World Series. I don't know how much it meant for the Bucks in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, but in football more than any, I mean, home field is huge. So if the Packers can go in there, this crowd 
in San Francisco is not known for being crazy. No. The uh, the game against Seattle is like the first time, not the loudest it's ever been. The commentators are saying it's really the first time it's been like loud. <laughs> it's actually been loud. From candlesticks. So if, it's a California game. Packer fans are out there. It's not just Packer fans travel. There's a lot of Packer fans that live there. So hopefully they get a good showing and they can try to get a win and get some home field advantage, at least a tiebreaker. Yeah, I'm hoping as well. It's not that I don't think the Packers can't win on the road. I think they can, but it's certainly not preferable, and you don't make it easier on yourself by having to go play in Seattle or play in New Orleans, and they've rarely had uh, clear paths uh, through the playoffs. That's something I'd like to change this year. Bart Winkler uh, joining us for a couple of minutes on the Five Star Telecom talking tax line. Bart, I do want to talk a couple things about the Brewers. Weirdly enough, I think it was last night, I'm on my phone, and and I'm looking at pictures of these new Brewers jerseys, and I'm like, man, I... I kind of miss Brewers baseball. I'm like, when did the world? Oh, my God, that was like two weeks ago. I've never, ever (laughs) craving baseball this early. Like, I'm fine with football. I'm fine with basketball. It's pretty crazy, and it might be these jerseys. Do you like them? I do. I I do. I like about 98% of what they look like. Sure. The one thing that I was saying uh, on our show this morning in Milwaukee is, if you're going to bring back the ball and glove logo, bring it back. Yeah. There's been some tweaks to it. It doesn't look the exact same. Sure, from far away, you can't really tell. But there's the the tweaks that they made. I don't like them. I yeah. don't. I don't like the tweaks that they made. That doesn't make me a Debbie Downer. I'm not a hot take artist. <laughs> I just see two designs. I like the old one better. Sure, and that's fine. I like that they're bringing it back, and it's almost the same. That's fantastic. <laughs> I like the jerseys. I even like the cream. Yeah, and I think that the, these at least have. More of a, more of a characteristic to them. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's more of a persona. The, the jerseys that the Brewers have had ever since they changed from the ball and glove the first time. The ones in the '90s with the diamond, yeah, was so bad. And in the last few decades, these last twenty years, it's been just kind of corporate because of the Miller Park script and tie-in. So I like it. I think they did the right thing with that. I, I like the old one better, but there's. Similar enough that I don't have to complain about it. I like the ball and glove logo a lot. I, I think the Brewer, like, I'm watching, like, old Prince Fielder highlights from 2008 and 2011. I'm looking at these jerseys. I'm like, you couldn't have, that's the best you came up with? Like, they're very bland. So I agree with you uh, in that sense. I wanted to ask you about this while I have you. Uh, we were talking MVP. We were talking manager of the year, too. And I think it's a damn shame that because Craig Council didn't get enough second place votes that Mike Schilt beat him out for manager of the year. But I'm I'm over that. I'm trying not to be a homer about this Christian Yelich scenario. In fact, it was I was on air when the news was announced that Bellinger was going to win. And I'm like, all right, good. I looked at the voting. I'm like, that's how it should be. He got more first place votes. And unlike the manager of the year voting, it broke down the right way. Bellinger won. That didn't really bother me. But Bart, here's my take. And let me try to explain. Tell me if I'm being a homer, right? Yelich had better offensive stats across the board than Bellinger. So the committee and the voters must have said, okay, Yelich missed too many games, and Bellinger's team won a lot more games. Okay, that's fi- that's fine. I don't agree with that logic, but I understand it. But then you turn around and give Mike Trout an MVP, who missed more games, and whose team was worse, and Trout was actually less dominant in comparison to his league when compared to Christian Yelich. I, I just thought, I-, I was frustrated when I saw that Trout also won, because I think the injury was somewhat treated as a disqualifying factor for Yelich, and they obviously didn't care with Trout. Like, am I being a way off-base homer that just sounds petty, or, or am I? do I have something here? No, that's a good point because Trout kind of gets—he kind of gets it as a de facto player. Yeah, it just comes down to what you, I mean. He's the best player in the league. 
but what does most valuable mean? I think it should mean your value to a team's performance. So was Yelich more valuable to the Brewers or was Bellinger more valuable to the Dodgers? I just, I'm a big stickler for that. If they're going to, if they're going to give to who they think is the best player, then you've got to change the name of the award to, to best player. Do it. Saying MVP and, and trying to figure out the MVP, because I think there's years like when Peyton Manning got hurt and the Colts went 2-14. and 14. Peyton Manning was the MVP yeah, there you go. of that year because he shows you the most valuable. So if you're going to have the V in there, you got to go valuable. That's a good point with Trout. I, I think Yelich, the weird thing with him was if the Brewers didn't do well after he got hurt, yeah. then they would have said, well, they they – they uh, they obviously missed him, so he could be valuable. But I, I think that not making the playoffs would have been a disqualifier. And then it, they made the playoffs, but then it's a disqualifier because, well, they made the playoffs without him. But, yeah, that Trout thing, that they give it to the best player. I, I think that there were – and this is just – I mean, there's no exact science to this. It's people with opinions that sure. vote. I think there was probably a trend of, hey, it's even – Let's give it to Bellinger. I, I I want Bellinger to get one. Yelich has his. I think that's maybe what happened in this case, and maybe we've benefited on that in the past. Maybe Giannis got some from Harden because of the same thing last year, even sure. though you know he should be the clear guy anyway. But I, it, these awards are so you never know. You never know if guys vote because they live in the city or if they're trying to help their guys so they keep Yelich off the ballot entirely and give. Some other idiot about it. It's just it's very. There's too much judging going on, so it's it's hard to really quantify the award. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm making it too scientific, and I just need to remember that it's individual people with individual votes. I wanted to run that by you. I've been accused of a lot of things the last couple of days, Bard, being a homer. I should, I was told yesterday I should be ashamed of myself for my MVP take, so I, I wanted to check with you. Uh, and hear your wow. thoughts. I, I know, right? They're getting tough. They're getting tough over there in lacrosse. Yeah, they are. They're a laid back town, man. <laughs> they're they're ruthless. Hey, Bart. Well, before you go, I talked to Justin Justin Garcia, the Bucks Radio Network. We have him on uh, as one of our Bucks guests here. He he said that he was making a trip to to lacrosse here in the next couple of weekends and was going to try to drag you along. Is there any truth to that? By the way. Well, that's great. If he does that for a show, he has had no <laughs> contact with me about this proposed trip so i believe he lied to you and now my feelings are hurt well that's awkward it he said in december so maybe he just hasn't hit you up yet but you know you are always welcome bart and i appreciate your input and uh and your clarification on some of my uh my apparently homer takes so thanks a couple of minutes bart hope to talk soon man yeah and when i come again i'll, I'll pop in studio for an hour with you but i will stop at dell's first Good. Well, I I would expect that, and and I'll meet you. I, I'm sure you can you can come to a segment, go back to Dell's, and then I'll meet you there after the show. How does that sound? Yeah, okay, sounds good. <laughs> Bart, have a good one. That's Bart Winkler, uh, co-host of Chuck and Winkler on 105.7 FM, the Fan, and just part of a nice stable of guests that we've uh, accumulated here on the Wisco Sports Show that are all UWL or lacrosse people, and I'm a big fan of that. Coming up next, uh, we do have to take a break. I want to talk Packers. And look, I, it's been rumored Rick, uh, Rick Solom, uh, my cohort here in the afternoon, he hosts Lacrosse Talk PM over on WIZM. He said that he might pop in at the end of the show. So if there's just a terribly awkward topic transition and, and I got to pop Rick's mic up, that's 
That's why. he's got. We have a huge Caledonia game coming up at the end of this week. He's very excited about it. He's been researching. He's been writing. So we, we might just end up talking about Caledonia, or maybe we'll just stick to Packers. Just giving you a warning. That's coming up as well as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Don't forget, you want to catch up on all that you missed today. We talked a little bit of last night's Monday night game. Talked about the Brewers. Talked about the Packers. Spoke with our friend Bart Winkler. You want to catch up on the podcast? You can do so at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. We may or may not be joined by Rick Solom to talk Caledonia football for the last couple minutes of the show. Uh, He normally shows up unannounced. So if you hear an awkward transition and suddenly you hear Rick's voice, that is why uh, Caledonia with just an unbelievable winning streak. And he's been following it, researching it and writing on it at WKTYsports.com. So he may drop in before six o'clock tonight. Until then, I want to talk about we've been talking 49ers Packers, right? And what maybe the big matchups are, what the keys to the game might be. I'm not going to have a 49ers writer on. I'm not going to have a 49ers broadcaster on. But I will say. This game, I think, comes down to one matchup. Assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo plays like Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers plays like Aaron Rodgers and everything goes like we assume it's going to go, the big matchup this weekend is the 49ers defensive line versus the Packers offensive line. I think think it's all going to come down to that. Richard Sherman can ball out and shut down Devontae Adams, and I think that's still the biggest, still the biggest matchup of this weekend. Packers offensive line, 49ers defensive line. And, And... Yesterday and earlier on today, I I talked about, look, 49ers have a, a, quote, weakness, and it's that they haven't played a whole lot of elite teams. The best quarterback, uh, according to DVOA, right, value over average, meaning how much better are you than average. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback they've played when it comes to that category. Russell Wilson was five at the time. The next closest, Case Keenum. Case Keenum, who was ranked 18th, right? Outside of Seattle, 49ers haven't played good teams, elite teams. And that doesn't mean their defensive line isn't good. That doesn't mean their coach isn't brilliant and a great play caller. But we haven't seen them do it consistently against not even good competition. We haven't seen them do it against elite competition outside of Seattle. So keep that in mind as we go in, right? That defensive line with Boza and Thomas and Armstead. Some grown men up front. Now, typically when we think of the Packers offensive line, we think of tackles, right? We think of Brian Bulaga, David Bakhtiari, one of the best tackle tandems in the league. And at times when they're at their best, that's been true. It's been a little bit up and down this year. Look, I've been talking about Elton Jenkins this season, and it's difficult to just do a segment about how good Elton Jenkins is, but we're getting to the point where I almost have to. This season so far, top 10 offensive guards when it comes to pass block win rate, which means you're sustaining your pass block for I think it's longer than two and a half seconds. Elton Jenkins is second in the league. Second in the league. That's better than Quentin Nelson for the Colts, who's 10th. It's better than Richie Incognito or Joe Thune for the Patriots. He's second, winning 97% of the time. And the only guy who's in front of him is Marshall Yonda, who might just be the best tackle this generation with the Ravens at 98%. Elton Jenkins has been a beast. And going into last week's game, and I don't have updated numbers on this. Maybe I'll try to find it before this weekend's game. Going into this weekend's game, there is a list of NFL guards, and this is tweeted out by Ross Uglum, who does uh, stuff for the Packer Report. Really good, really good tidbit here. Complete. Here's the complete list of NFL guards with at least 500 snaps played, zero quarterback hits, and zero sacks allowed. You ready? Drum roll. Elton Jenkins. That's it. That is it. That's incredible. 
Elton Jenkins has been their most consistent, best offensive lineman up there with Corey Lindsley, who, by the way, when it comes to pass block win rate, is near the top as well, alongside the former Packer, J.C. Treader, who's second to Corey Lindsley, who's first in the league when it comes to centers winning and pass blocking. Outside of maybe Corey Lindsley? Dude, Elton Jenkins is a rookie from the second round. Nobody had heard of him unless you're a scout. And he's been their most consistent pass blocking offensive line. He's been tremendous. He's a big part of why the Packers have been able to run the ball a little bit. They love to run behind him. And something that I pointed out a couple of weeks ago. Watch Elton Jenkins. He completes his first level block so quickly, so well, that it often allows him to get to the second level or free up to help another uh, run blocker or get up on the linebacker. Those are the types of plays and the types of blocks that turn a three-run, a three-yard run into a five-yard run or a six-yard run or can spring a running back free. Because oftentimes, when you're so successful with that original block, you're blocking more than one guy, whether that's in the second level. There was a play last week where Elton Jenkins just straight-up blocked two guys. Go on Twitter, go on YouTube, just type in Elton Jenkins and watch some of these highlights. He's a guy nobody's talking about. And look, he's a he's a guard. He's an offensive lineman. And I'm not going to bang the drum for Elton Jenkins' rookie of the year, but man, oh man, has he been impressive. And to think that the Packers maybe have found their left guard for... I don't want to jinx it, maybe the next six to eight years. This dude's a this dude can ball. He's a very, very good offensive lineman. And he's a part of this unit where Corey Lindsley is tremendous in winning pass blocking situations, right? And David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga at their best. And it's been an up and down season with some penalties, and Bulaga was terrible in Los Angeles. Joey Boza ate his lunch. But when those guys are playing their best, those tackles, and Corey Lindsley is Corey Lindsley, and Elton Jenkins is Elton Jenkins. And Look, Billy Turner, for as much grief as we sometimes like to get him, especially because he's being paid so much, he's actually a really, really good run-blocking tackle. He he may not fit the prototype of Bakhtiari or Bulaga, right, or Lindsley, which is relatively thin and very athletic because they trust their, their linemen to be pass blockers first, meaning they, they would rather block and let Aaron Rodgers do his thing than, than be road graders. Billy Turner is more of that road grader type. Now, if this offensive line can stay healthy... Man, that's a good unit going into the postseason. And by the way, the Packers practice today. All 53 practiced, all 53 healthy. Packers getting a little bit of injury luck this year, too. I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to jinx it as I knock on the desk, knock on the wood here. The Packers trending in the right direction, and and we are staring down the barrel at what should be an excellent, excellent Sunday night game coming up this weekend. We're going to continue to talk about that. Brewers, Bucks, everything else going on. Same time, same place tomorrow here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.